0: Do you think of stress as just a negative thing to avoid? Do you know how to create good and constructive stress? Are you merely managing stress or are you leveraging it to sharpen your focus and perform at your peak? Are you able to use stress to grow to the next level? This is episode 26, Get Stress the Right Way. Hello and welcome to The Incrementalist, a productivity podcast on making big changes in small steps. My name is Diane Williams and I'm your productivity coach and host for the show. Stress is not always bad. It comes with having big goals and pushing beyond your comfort zone. Going off to college, starting a new job, traveling to a foreign country, or launching a business triggers stress. And they also bring feelings of excitement confidence and achievement. It's the chronic, persistent negative stress that you need to watch out for. In 1934, Hans Selye, an endocrinologist and assistant professor at McGill University's biochemistry department, conducted stress experiments on rats. He injected them with fluids ranging from ovarian extract to saline solution. The fluids triggered a stress response to fight The study was expanded to human participants. Both humans and rats adapted to the stimuli and became stronger and more resilient. Stress is a stimulus that challenges your body and mind to adapt, moves you out of homeostasis, and shifts you away from your baseline. Stress is positive when it stimulates growth, adaptation, and expansion. Too much stress and not enough rest lead to injury, illness, and burnout. Too little stress and too much rest result in complacency, stagnation, and dissatisfaction. In their book, Peep Performance, co-authors Brad Stolberg and Steve Magnus describe a framework to create the optimal level of stress. They provide a simple growth equation. Stress plus rest equals growth. To have systematic growth and sustainable success, You alternate between stress and rest. Get the right dose of stress. Don't go too fast or push too hard. Stress yourself and then rest and recover. Deeply engage in intense, hard work just beyond your comfort zone and then totally disengage with full rest and recovery. Set a just, manageable challenge that is just outside your current abilities and skills. You want to stretch not snap. The right level of stress is 7 out of 10, where you succeed most of the time but need to pay attention to what you're doing. You have a moderate amount of adrenaline. You're not anxious or overstressed, but primed to perform at your best. The challenge skills ratio has to be just right so you can perform at your peak. Zero is coasting and requires no effort. 10 produces high anxiety Or you get into fight, flight, or freeze mode. Is the goal too easy or too hard to accomplish? Is the task too small or too big to complete? You'll be unproductive if there is too much stimulus and your mind tells you that you can't handle this thing, so why bother? And if there's too little stimulus, you get bored and move on to something else. There is an innate need for homeostatic balance. When setting a challenge, ask yourself where am i today where do i want to get tomorrow what is the next step to get there the ideal skills ratio is 4% the challenge must be 4% greater than your current skills this is a sweet spot where you find flow the optimal state of consciousness where you feel and perform at your best Mi i cheat set me high <laughs> says lasting satisfaction comes from activities that bring a state of flow. When the challenge is too high for our skill level, we feel anxiety, arousal, and worry. When it is too low, we feel apathy, boredom, and relaxation. Although we have a strong sense of control, we don't grow. And because we're not being challenged, there is no flow. Flow occurs when the challenge and skill level have the right ratio. To learn more about flow, listen to episode 5 of the Incrementalist podcast, Finding and Sustaining Flow. Stolberg and Magnus explain that when you lift weights to build muscle, you trigger a stress response at the point of exhaustion. When you stop lifting, your body goes into anabolic state to adapt, get stronger, and build resilience. But if the stress is too much or too persistent, The body cannot adapt. You experience the exhaustion stage, chronic stress. Your body then moves into catabolic process and starts to break down. Inflammation and cortisol levels are extra high. Know your limits. If you lift weights that are too heavy, you could suffer an injury with only one repetition. But there's no growth if the weights are too light. Lift the ideal weight so you feel fatigued but don't get injured rest in between. In work and life, you burn out if you have too much stress. You get complacent and stagnant if you have too little stress. If you're so anxious that you can't take the next step, dial things back. If you're fully in control, make the next challenge a bit harder. Stretch yourself and then recover so your growth aggregates and compounds over time with consistent effort. If you want to try skydiving, start with a tandem dive, not a solo dive. If you want to try rock climbing, head to an indoor climbing gym before you head outdoor up a mountain. Use a less demanding path when you step into the unknown. Balance the right amount of stress with the right amount of rest. Your body adapts and gets stronger when you push it to the limits and then allow it to fully recover. With this growth, You can take on more the next time. Like a professional athlete, have an easy week if you did one month of continuous hard work. Choose the muscle or capability that you want to grow. Stress it and then rest and recover to allow adaptation to occur. Then repeat and stress the capability a bit more than before. Consider external factors like the season of life, the team you have, the expected rewards. Think about internal factors like your health, motivation, and attitudes. Be realistic. Your ability to accomplish certain things within a certain time frame will depend on your situation, like whether you have a newborn baby, school-aged children, grown children, or no children. If you have a chronic health condition, it's better to prioritize self-care by resting deeply between shorter, focused work sessions. You don't have to excel at a hobby when you have new and demanding responsibilities. You could go deeper into it later in life when you have more autonomy. Maybe you need to do more activities if you're overzealous and obsessive about one thing. Or maybe you need to drop things if you're stretched too thin. Practice periodization where you switch between cycles of stress and cycles of rest. Avoid diminishing returns where the rate of output decreases after a certain number of hours. One study shows that productivity levels take a nosedive after 55 hours of work in a week. You can also have negative returns where more work just creates more mistakes and problems. Think about your ultradian rhythm, which is your body's work-rest cycle that repeats throughout a 24-hour day. You have high-frequency brain activity roughly 90 minutes, followed by lower frequency brain activity, approximately 20 minutes. Take advantage of the cycle. For every 30 to 90 minutes of focused work that you do, take a 7 to 20 minute break. Don't try to work for four hours straight, have lunch, and then work for four more hours. Take regular breaks between manageable time blocks. Go completely offline in your rest and recovery phase. You're not checking emails, scrolling the news, or looking at social media, which stimulate you with dopamine hits. Instead, give yourself time and space to process the stress. Do meditation, take a nap, go for a walk, read comic strips, listen to music, or declutter your desk. If you're working from home, you could do light chores like fold your laundry, do the dishes, or sweep the floor. Offline activities allow ideas to incubate and insights to emerge. The more you recover, the more energy and focus you will have when you get back to work. You get low on glycogen as you burn energy, and at or after two hours, it empties out. If you don't give your mind-body system a break from hard work, you will hit a cognitive limit. Non-stop intensity leads to exhaustion and burnout. If you have a long wave of deep focus... And you're in the zone, you don't have to stop to take a break. Ride the state of flow. But it's rare to have this beyond two-hour blocks. You need to rest and recharge to avoid stress overdrive. On the other hand, moderate work or low effort can lead you to underperform. Tweak, tinker, and experiment to find out how you can best do deep work cycled with deep rest. Know your own baseline and limits. What is the quantity and quality of your work, and how do you feel at the 30-minute mark or the 60-minute mark? Whether you go with a 25-5, 50-10, and 90-15-minute work-rest split depends on your own focus muscle, energy level, the type of task, the time of day, your work schedule, and other factors. Notice when you start zoning out, switching to emails, checking your phone, rereading materials, and the like. When you mindlessly turn to distractions, it's time to take a real break. With consistent practice of cycling through periods of stress and periods of rest, you can build your focus muscle over time. When you have a deadline to meet, it can be hard to step away from the work, but if you're feeling stuck or creatively blocked, the best thing to do is to take a break. You're better off getting a good night's sleep and returning to the project in the morning instead of working longer hours and through the night. Unless you're a true night owl, your golden hours are in the morning. Vacation should follow long months of stressful work. Weekends of rest should follow a week of demanding work. And if you choose to work on the weekends to finish a big, time-sensitive project, do this with intention and with limits. Don't expect a single week of vacation to refresh you after a year of intense, non-stop stressful work. If you must work on difficult projects for a prolonged period, follow it up with several days of real rest. Take it slow for one month if you've just completed an extra challenging project that lasted for consecutive months. Besides getting deep rest, you also need to check your attitude toward stress. Do you see it as a challenge or as a threat? You have two main types of stress hormones, DHEA and cortisol. With a challenge response, you trigger DHEA, which boosts testosterone levels. It also lowers anxiety, worry, and neurodegeneration. DHEA makes it easier to tackle the task and then recover. You use the extra energy to channel your focus and perform at your peak. A threat response increases cortisol and inflammatory proteins. Biochemicals are produced and directed to areas under stress to deal with a future threat. Cortisol causes inflammation, contributes to depression, and impairs the immune system. This drains your energy and lowers your performance. One study shows that those who view stress positively have a 43% lower chance of premature death than those who view it negatively. People with longer lives tend to view stress as a challenge instead of a threat. They have a challenge response that allows them to grow and expand from the stimuli. In sports, non-elite athletes avoid or suppress stress and think it hurts their performance. Elite athletes see it as a boost to their performance. They use the physiological arousal to perform at their peak. You rise to the challenge even though your legs are shaking, your palms are sweating, and heart is racing. Instead of forcing yourself to calm down, you say, I'm excited, and move from threat to opportunity. Your nervous system will start to relax naturally. You perform better when you view stress as having A neutral or positive impact on performance. You use it to your benefit. You use it to sharpen your focus muscle. You don't try to hide from it or get rid of it. You just feel it. Your perspective changes how you respond to it. Focus on what you can control to minimize fear and worry about what you don't control. Keep a positive mindset so there's less room for rumination and negative thoughts that drain your energy. Customize your routines and rituals to put yourself in a good mood and prime yourself for a big task. If you have a big presentation to make, you might need to do a breathing exercise to center yourself. Or maybe you need to do jumping jacks, repeat a mantra, or take a brisk walk. If writing is a core part of your work, you could sit in the same quiet spot with the same cup of herbal tea in the same hours every day. This conditions your mind and body to perform the task even when you're not highly motivated. Just sticking with a routine can help you gain traction. You also need to block distractions and interruptions, which stop adaptations to stress. You can't build your focus muscle if you're constantly checking emails, surfing the internet, and, and scrolling social media whenever you feel anxious or bored. When you're doing focus work, turn off the digital devices and keep them out of sight. Seeing your phone or someone else's phone, even when it's face down and in silent mode, can affect your focus. The device reminds you that something else is going on, like social media posts, text messages, and emails. Developing a new skill Or strengthening an ability involves struggle. You don't learn and grow without struggle. Wrestle with a problem before you ask for help. Hold back on giving help when you see others struggling with a task and you want them to grow. You must go beyond the point of resistance to grow. You must venture outside your comfort zone to expand. Productive failure gives you the opportunity to evaluate a problem from a different perspective And to become a more skilled problem solver. You increase connections between neurons and generate myelin that boosts activity between neurons. Stress can be good and productive, or it can be toxic and destructive. That's why it's important to get stressed the right way. In my book, The Incrementalist, I discuss five principles to work just outside your comfort zone to make big changes. Principle number one is to choose your priority. Principle number two is to break your big project into smaller steps. Principle number three is to set time locks and distraction free periods for important work. Principle number four is to sync with your rhythm and make use of your natural energy and attention levels. And principle number five is to rest and recharge. This framework allows you to maintain positive stress to work on your major goals without anxiety and burnout. You find the optimal place between comfort and accomplishment. You grow and expand, but not so hyperactively that you don't appreciate the present. The Incrementalist ebook is available at leanpub.com incrementalist. The link is in the show notes. If you found value in this episode, please share it with others and tell them what you got most from it. To support the show, subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you have productivity questions, topics, or books you'd like me to cover on this show, contact me through my website at dynewilliams.com. You can also sign up for my e-newsletter, to get updates on articles, podcast episodes, courses, and other productivity tools. Thank you for your positive energy. Tune in again for the next episode on the Incrementalist Podcast.